Awesome. Can we just begin in prayer and uh, let's just lift it back to him. Jesus, we, we love you so much. Father, I thank you for a time this morning where we could pause and nothing else mattered other than just lifting up your name. Father, I thank you that you are good. Jesus, I thank you that you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, thank you for being here with us. Lord, thank you for the promise that you never leave us, that you never forsake us. Lord, this morning as we go to your word, would your word pierce our hearts? Would it pierce our souls, Jesus? Would we be transformed by your word this morning? Let our hearts not be hardened towards the word of the Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Just for time, I'm going to cut through a couple of things, but I can't cut through my story because it's just too important to miss, to not to miss. So Archer is going to be on blast again this morning. Um, He's not here, but he's now getting to the age where he's almost telling me to stop blasting him. Uh, He's like, Dad, I'm not as interested in your stories anymore. You know, he's he's getting old enough, but I'm his dad, so I can do whatever I want. Um, So Archer, he's just started school. And, and all of you that have had kids know what it is when kids start school, and there's so many different bits and pieces that come with that. Um, Archer scored his first hockey goal at, at, on the lunch, at lunchtime this past, uh, I think it was like maybe either Friday or Thursday. And that's a big deal because sometimes some of the bigger kids are playing. And, and so Archer, my, my man, he got his first goal. He thinks he's one of the Mighty Ducks, if you've ever seen that movie. He's not playing New Zealand field hockey. He's playing ice hockey in his mind, uh, just so you know what kind of goal he scored. Uh, he's playing a different game than the kids that he's playing with are. And and he's just doing a lot of things. He got a certificate this past um, school assembly. And I just need to brag on Lane Park Church for just a little bit because, my goodness, we cleaned up in certificates at Mongaroa School this past school assembly. Molly, Molly Conway, Chris, Chris Meyer, we were just, I was there saying, Mongaroa School is, has representation of high-achieving young people from Lane Park Church. So we have, like, just to know, our name's getting out there. Molly Conway's driving it, you know. It's just powerful. So it was just really cool. He got a certificate. I knew he was going to get a certificate, too. I could feel it. Angie, when Angie didn't go, I was like, I know you're going to miss out on something. You're missing out. So it is school assembly. But, but Archer has just started school, and, and he's doing really, really well. Like, he, he's matriculated so well into it. I talked to a lot of the moms, and they're like, I mean, I'm like one of the few dads rocking at dad power. Um, but Angie, Angie's at home with Lexi, and um, babies are always a joy, too. Lord, Lord bless babies. Um, but I'm always talking with the moms, and some of them are so worried about how their kids are kind of matriculating into, into school. But Archer's, he's just, he's been a champ. But, but I do need to put him on blast just a little bit. I need to put him on blast just a little bit. So we had our first parent-teacher interviews. And, and he had, honestly, a, a stellar review. And, and if he wouldn't, he would have been punished and, you know, like, no. But he, he had a great review. Like, he's doing really well. We didn't really teach him any reading or writing or anything like that. We taught him ABCs before he went. But he's just, he's just loving it. He loves to learn, and he's doing great. Love, Archer. But it came around to the time when the teacher asked Archer. She asked him, Archer, who is your best friend? And this is interesting because I'm a pretty intense dad in the way of asking, hey, Archer, who did you play with today? What did you play? How did you play? You know, what, David Riddell's thing, what was the worst thing that happened to you today? What was the best thing that happened to you today? Like, I'm just, I'm very involved in Archer's life. We're best friends. And so he should have said my dad. That would have been the right answer, right? Who's your best friend? My dad. But, 
But I'm, I'm really familiar with the kids that he's playing with because I'm talking to him on a daily basis and watching him. And he says, and I'm going to change their names just for the sake of um, just changing their names. So he says, my best friend is Billy. And he didn't take a lot of time saying it. He said, my best friend is Billy. And I was like, Billy? You've never talked about Billy. I'm like, who's Billy? Does Billy even go to your school? And there's a, there's a kid. And the teacher was like, her eyes kind of lit up, and you could see, like, them kind of sparkle just a little bit, and she was like, ah, and there was just this very affirming, you said the right thing, you know, like, that his best friend being Billy was the right answer, and, um, and me being me, I, I was like, you know, I've also heard a lot about Johnny, his name's not Johnny, but we'll call him Johnny, and this is who Archer is best friends with, if you will, I've heard a lot about Johnny, so I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't bail Archer out immediately. I'm not like, bro, you're lying. Tell your teacher the truth. You know, like, I, I, didn't, I didn't bail him out, but I did, I did ask the teacher. And you should have seen just this expression change of just like, like you know, I, it was the teacher, like some version of that. And she just, she became downcast. And she just, she started trying to explain all of these things like, oh, he's a great kid. And then there's this, these huge butts following it of, but he's impulsive, and but just different, different elements of that began to come out. And I, I sat there just thinking, my goodness, this boy, this boy Archer, he's, he's already learning something that I'm not sure he should be learning. But how many of you know that we can know what the right answer is? We can know what the right answer is. But it's when we truly don't understand why that is the case. Just knowing the right answer is not going to be enough. Character, as we're in our series on character, is elusive in this way. That many of us know the right answer. But to change behavior, you must understand why. And this morning, I want to just continue digging deeper into this issue of the core of character and why and understanding our why. I'm going to do it through the lens of Samson's story because how many of you know Samson was an amazing man of character in the Bible? There's, there's, there's some agreements there. Samson's just a great study of the picture of character. And so we're just going to look into his life. Starting in Judges chapter 13. Judges 13 verse 1. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. People of Israel would be a great case study on character as well. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. There was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not borne children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore be careful and drink no wine or strong drink, and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines." Then the woman came and told her husband, a man of God came to me and his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God. Very awesome. I did not ask him where he was from and he did not tell me his name, but he said to me, behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. So then drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. One of the things that I believe the Holy Spirit just stopped me right here in the story of Samson, I had a completely different 
not different track that I was on with the story of Samson when I was in just kind of seeking, seeking the Holy Spirit about where to go this morning. But he stopped me at this Nazarite vow of what it is to be a Nazarite. And I just want to look a little bit about what that is. So a Nazarite vow, if you want to do your own research, you go to number six, and it talks all about what it is to be a Nazarite. But literally, a Nazarite, do we, do, does anybody just have the definition on their lips of what a Nazarite is? It means one separated. That's literally what, what it means. A Nazarite is, to, is one who was separated, one who is consecrated, or specifically, one who separates himself to the Lord. That's what a Nazarite vow entails. That's what it is. And so the thing that I just want to pause at very briefly is that we must understand that at the very core of who we are, God has separated us to himself. That is the core of our identity, that we are set apart, that we're separated from everything else to God. I think it's too easy for us, especially when we look at the story of Samson and we're looking at character. Like, Samson messed everything up. We all know that, right? Like, Samson just, if there was a rule, he broke it. Like, I think he's the opposite of the Pharisees. They created rules to keep them. Samson found rules to break them. Like, Samson did not, he, he, he struggled with a lot of things. But if, if we're only looking at the rules that Samson broke, we're also missing the big picture, of looking at the rules of what a Nazarite was, we will lose why the rules are there in the first place if we get focused on those rules. And so what are, what are the three main parts of a Nazarite? He, they've mentioned those three parts in there. The three major parts of what being a Nazarite was about, don't cut your hair, don't touch anything dead, and don't, it, it was actually very specific. It wasn't just don't drink wine, it was don't go near the vine. Don't, don't eat grapes, don't do anything. This is what, what being a Nazarite was, these three things. But as, as you do a little bit of study of what it is, it's interesting that that unshaven head was not just some arbitrary rule. It can maybe feel like that. But what the unshaven head represented was dedication to God. That unshaven head, his long, luscious locks or his dreadlocks or whatever it was that they became, it says he had seven of them. So I'm not sure if he had, who knows what that looks like. There's a movie coming out for Samson. should be interesting. But that hair was actually representative of something else. It wasn't about his hair. It was representative of his dedication to God. And if I can just kind of call back to last week just a little bit, and this is, this is enough food for, for the day. It's that relations, relationship and closeness to Jesus comes first. This is so important. There's some subtleties here that I just, I'm going to belabor. Character is not something that you have to earn your way into any good graces. It's not you prove yourself by following these rules, or you show yourself to be a, a, a good Christian, or whatever it is, or you, you show this. There is no proving here. I want to I start with the story of Samson, this very unique individual in the Bible. And what is the first thing that God does? He says, he is a Nazarite for me from the womb. From the get-go, Samson is separated to me. This is so important to, to understand when we're looking at the core of character, that we are separated to him first, that we are in relationship with him first. And I don't want to give everything away, but it's so important. It's not earning it by following the rules, but it's out of overflow. 
So the Nazarite vow, don't cut your hair, don't, don't drink, don't touch unclean things. This, this is the wedding ring. This is the wedding ring that, that talks, that is the evidence of something much deeper. That's, that's your driver's license. Those things, the hair, the don't touch the dead things, that's your driver's license that says you have the right to drive. This is the outward expression of a deeper truth that you are separated to God himself, that your identity is found in him. It's interesting that in the studies as well, that this word that they use specifically for separation of talking about the hair specifically is the same word that they use when talking about the priestly crown. It's the exact same word of separation that they're using. And, and specifically, when you look at the priestly crown and what it represents, as well as what, what a long hair of a Nazarite represented, it wasn't just for themselves. Do you know that that crown or that long hair was a challenge for other people to follow the Lord wholeheartedly. Is that not a powerful picture of when we look at character, even though it's not all about following this rule or that rule, but character being the overflow of relationship with the Father is the challenge to those around you. Our character, like we said last week, is our testimony of who God is more than anything else. What you are shouts so loudly in my ears that I cannot hear what you say. It is when we understand why something is important that we will then make it a priority and embrace it. It is when we understand why something is important that we will then make it a priority and embrace it. The first major point, if you're a note taker, is this. That your identity in him is the source out of which your character flows. Your identity in him is the source out of which your character flows. We don't find our strength from striving to do the right thing and following all the rules, but by the fact that God has separated us to himself and that we're safe in the arms of the Father. It is from this place of safety that we're able to boldly walk out his word. It's through our character and reveal the Father's love for us and challenge others to find their identity in him as well. And I continue. Judges 13, 24. And the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the young man grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. And, and I'm going to butcher this one. Something Dan between Zorah and Eshtal. I just, one of the things that I believe the Spirit of God was saying as well is to pause, is just to pause here. And even, this is like a side note from the entire, this entire sermon. The Spirit of the Lord is longing to stir you. The Spirit of the Lord is longing to stir you. And in this case, I just, if you could this week, if you could this morning, it's, it's hard not to be stirred in worship like Hope and Eugene brought because they're already being stirred by the Lord. They're actively stirring that. And so we can just partner with them in that and also stir ourselves. Can I tell you that our faith is not a passive faith? Can I encourage you as a church body to start stirring yourself in the Lord or being aware of when he's stirring you. This is not a spectator faith. This is to be stirred by the Lord. And can I encourage you, don't just look for it in Sunday mornings. Look for it on Monday mornings. Look for it on Saturday afternoons. Where is the Spirit of the Lord stirring you? Because he is stirring you. That was one of the things that I just, just pausing in the story of Samson. And I don't want to go there, even though I really want to go there. Spirit of the Lord stirred Samson. I think it's important to look at this. 
once God has set us apart for himself, once we understand that our identity is over there and we're not just trying to get these rules under our belt so that we can get close to him, he then stirs us to see his kingdom purposes happen. I think God is constantly looking to see heaven come to earth and he chooses to use his people to see his purposes come about. Each day you have opportunities to partner with the expression of God's kingdom. God's heart is to stir his people into action. So we continue in the story, Judges 14. And I just, I'm just kind of putting this into context. God stirred, and it says God's the one that stirred him. God stirred him, and I'm just so interested in what Samson does with that. I'm interested in what happens when he is stirred by the Lord. So let's look what he does as he's been stirred by the Lord. So Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah, he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines, Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all your people that you must go to to take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. For she is right in my eyes. The picture that I have as we're looking at the core of character is this, is that God has set set himself has set us apart to him. We're found, our identity is found in him. The spirit of the Lord will stir you. The spirit of the Lord, that's just what he does. He's looking to stir his people to see his kingdom purposes happen. But it's your character that will determine what happens next. This is so important to understand because I think a lot of people have been disappointed after the spirit of the Lord has stirred them and they haven't seen the results that they thought they were going to see. The Spirit of the Lord stirred Samson, and immediately he went out, and he changed from being stirred by the Spirit of the Lord to immediately being stirred by a beautiful Philistine girl. Immediately, his character shifted where he was going. He went to what was right in his own eyes. And if I could share a conversation that I had yesterday, it was so interesting around this topic of in society today, it's, it is a battle of doing what is right in your own eyes. It just is. But I want to submit to you that I believe too many Christians have followed that same principle. And they're saying, I'm going to take a little bit of what God says here and a little bit of what God says here because I'm going to do what's right in my own eyes because I know better. The same philosophy that is in secular society has crept into the church. Not this church. We got, we're doing way better, right? But there's a danger here. Verse 4, his father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord, for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. Just to pause here, I don't think you and I are strong enough to derail the purposes of God. I don't think that comes within our grasp. I think there's some mighty powerful people here, but you're not quite there yet. Do you notice that God's will will happen regardless? His kingdom is coming. The victory is won. It is finished. His kingdom will be expressed. But the issue of character is that I want to be one of the ones to partner with him to do it. Because he will raise up other people to see his kingdom expressed. Those that have not gotten into the heart of the Father and out of that overflow see character come to fruition. So God's will will happen regardless. It's how that journey looks like for us personally will be determined by our character. 
So then Samson went down with his father and mother to Timnah, and they came to the vineyards of Timnah. And behold, a young lion came toward him, roaring. Then the Spirit of the Lord, it's interesting how the Spirit of the Lord keeps rushing upon him. And although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and she was right in Samson's eyes. Powerful phrase. After some days, he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion and honey. He scraped it out into his hands and went on, eating as he went. And he came to his father and mother and gave some to them. Might as well share it. And they ate. But he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey from the carcass of the lion. His father went down to the woman, and Samson prepared a feast there, for so the young man used to do. Do you know in this passage of Scripture... Samson, like, of those three Nazarite vows, he knocks out two of them. He just, he knocks it out of the park. The feast, if you look at the word feast that's used there, it doesn't, the, the, the idea behind that feast is there was a whole lot of alcohol involved in that, in that definition of what that feast was. Samson also touches the body of the dead lion that he had killed. Samson is doing what is right in his own eyes. Character is not a matter of just doing what is right in your own eyes. Your ability to determine if it's right or not is not good enough. Your ability alone is not good enough. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit is written on our hearts? And so we all have a testimony. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not saying that you can't be a part of that. But it is his word. And, and further than that, it is obedience to his word that is the determining factor of what character is. It is a matter of not doing what is right in your own eyes, but it is a matter of weighing it by the word of God. I think there's two sides of this coin. We have many passions that we ascribe to the word of God or to walking out in character that really come from the book of Jesse, that really come from the book of Bruce. We owe, and then at the same time, we overlook direct orders from the word of God because of what seems right in our own eyes. Samson knew he was breaking the rules. Do you know how we knew he was breaking the rules? Because he didn't tell mom and dad. It's like, there's, there's something there. Do you know that Archer knew that Johnny wasn't the right answer? Archer knew Johnny wasn't the right answer for a best friend. But I want to submit to you that neither were truly connected to why. Samson then goes on to be betrayed by his new bride, and he loses a bet with the local Philistine men. And here's just the kicker in verse 20. And Samson's wife was given to his companion, who had been his best man. It's like... That's a burn. In anger, Samson wreaks havoc on the Philistines because of this, and God's will is achieved in breaking down a piece of the Philistine stronghold over the Israelites. But here is where I just want to pause. But can you imagine how betrayed and broken Samson is? Purposes of God are still going to be achieved with or without your cooperation, but your character determines what that looks like specifically for you. And we see Samson betrayed and broken. He didn't necessarily learn from it, but that's another story. God stirs you up. When he, it's just a fact, he will stir you up. He's trying to stir you up. And maybe, maybe you can put yourself in so many barriers and bubbles that you don't feel is stirring anymore, but the spirit of the God is longing to stir you up. He's longing to see his purposes come to fruition through you. But this will reveal how much of his word has become part of your character. And I think I said it before, but just because you feel God stirring you, just because he separated himself to you, many are surprised when their character continues to undermine their future ventures. Judges 16. 
After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Seduce him and see where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him, and we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound that one could subdue you. When Delilah saw, and I'm skipping ahead because they do a lot of silly things that you would hope Samson would learn from. Judges 16, verse 18, when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines saying, come up again, for he has told me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep, and he said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. I love that phrase. Please tell me where your great strength lies. Please tell me the source of this strength. And I, I can't emphasize this in enough in a society that it's all about what you do. His strength had nothing to do with his hair. There wasn't some, otherwise Eugene and Neville are going to be some of the strongest guys. In, and, and maybe they are. I mean, they're, they're, that could be the truth as well. But how many of you know that it's not about his hair? It has nothing to do with his hair. Notice his hair was actually just the last thing that he did to break everything that God had asked him to do. Every rule that God had placed before him already. It wasn't about his hair. It's never about the hair. It was this last part of the Nazarite vow to be broken. Despite being set apart, despite his identity is found in him first, despite being stirred by the Lord, his character was the thing that removed him from the Lord's hand and he lost his strength. Your strength is found in being separated to the Lord. It's when you, but when you walk out what is right in your own eyes, you take yourself out. God has already brought you in, but your character will take you out. I'm going to move into the last portion of the story. Judges 16, verse 25. So the Lord of the Philistines called Samson out of the prison. And he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. And on the roof, there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once. O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines from my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. I don't know how he would do it any other way. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. How many of you know that when when we talk about character, when we talk about walking in obedience to the word of God, it can feel like, it can feel a challenging message. It can feel like, I don't know about you, but when I have messed up in the past, there's a feeling of permanence that comes on and you feel like you've messed it up for good. 
It feels like, it feels, when you mess up, you, you kind of jump into the other shoes of like, you want to try and do all the Nazarite vows to earn your good graces back to get into like, into it. There's something in us that when we mess up, it feels so permanent. Character feels like one of those things that once, once it's gone, you feel like you almost can't get it back. But here's, here's the thing in my spirit as we, as we close up. Eugene, I'll bring you back up to play some sweet sounds on that guitar. Taking back victory in character is possible no matter what your situation. We can be a people walking, into, walking in the power of what character is and what it represents. Taking back victory is possible no matter what your situation. And so maybe that doesn't mean a lot for you, but if you just start to think, there's no condemnation in Jesus. Can I just encourage you this morning? I don't even care what you did this morning. God is only looking for an opportunity to come into obedience today. There's not hoops that you have to jump through to come back into good graces with him. He's a loving father. And we need to understand the why behind character. Otherwise, we will never change our behavior because it's to know the heart of God, to know that he hasn't given us rules to fail at, but he's given us paths to life that he's always willing to immediately restore us to. God is one call away. He is one call away. There may be people in here who need to hear that the enemy would want to condemn you for what you've done, but God is inviting you back to the path of life, not to a set of rules. You can't start with the rules. And can I encourage you in your conversations with people that may or may not know the Lord, can I encourage you to not start with the rules? But can I encourage you to start with introducing them to a father who loves them so much? Can I encourage you? Because how many of you know that we all need work on the rules? My goodness. And I want to continue working on those too. But not for the sake of, of getting these rules under my belt. And I'm like, boom, Nazrite, done. I'm going to look like Eugene and Neville very shortly. My hair is not going to, a razor will not touch this head. Angie might not enjoy that. Hear this. The secret of Samson's strength was not found in his hair, but in his obedience to God. That's so important. And his character to do what God said. Because your character is not related to your personal proclivities. It's a tongue twister. Your character is not related to your personality. Hear this. The heart of this morning is that character needs to be based on obedience to the word of God. He is simply waiting for you to walk in obedience to the word to bring victory and further solidify your identity in him. Walking in character brings life and victory. I've seen, I've seen so many Christians and non-Christians do it, but I'm specifically thinking Christians right now where we excuse what we're doing as part of who I am. That's who I am. And while God will accept you as you are, he loves you enough to not leave you where you are. And so can I encourage you that all of the things that you've already decided about yourself and all of the things that you've already decided about the person next to you or the person three seats over, and that's why you're sitting specifically there, because there's three seats over. 
We're not determined by their personality. You're not determined by personal proclivities. You're determined by obedience to the word of God. And that is where your strength is found. Romans 5.4 talks about endurance produces character. Can I encourage us to not be a people that will pause, that will stop, that we will not, like the prodigal son that we talked about, we will not see through what we think the word of God is and think that we know better and we're covered by his grace. Or we go the other way and we become so legalistic like the older brother and think that we figured it out. It is out of relationship with the Father. It is out of being separated to him first that our character flows out of. It is overflow of relationship that will determine what happens, what comes out. And why is it important that stuff comes out? Remember, we talked about this this external thing that he had in his hair was representative of his dedication to God. It was just, it showed that there was something real there. Not only that for your personal walk, but this character that comes out of us, that's the challenge to others around us to wholeheartedly follow him. Not so they don't stop cutting their hair too, but they can, they can meet the Savior so they can find Jesus. Can I encourage you that at the core of character is understanding that our identity is found in a Father who loves you. It has nothing to do with the rules and there's people that need to hear it. This is not about the rules that you've broken. This is about a God that loves you so desperately. I think there's too many people in church that haven't met this Jesus that I'm talking about. They come in week in and week out and they still don't know this Jesus because he loves you so much. You're so safe in his arms. You don't have to be challenged. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to be worried. You don't have to be critiqued because you're safe in his arms. We operate from the core of character as an expression of his love and as an expression out of, out, out of overflow. It's out of overflow. It has nothing to do with these rules. It has everything to do with coming with an identity set in the Father. And he'll deal with that stuff, I promise. He'll get there. He's so faithful to work stuff out in you. Anybody can say a painful amen there. But as we're looking at the core of characters, can we stop putting rules on one another and start pushing into the heart of the Father? Can we see one another through those eyes as well? And anyone that wants to grow their hair out too, that's cool too. At the core of character is recognizing that it is out of our heart, our heart of connection with the Father that we can boldly step out. Will you pray with me? Father, we love you. Father, I pray that you would bring your truth this morning. I pray that you would set legalistic mindsets free. Jesus, we are hungry to be separated to you. We are not hungry to follow more rules. Jesus, we are hungry to be stirred by you, Jesus. Lord, I speak that a stirring would continue to happen in your people. Would you stir your people with the very spirit of God? Father, let our character not undermine what you want to do in and through us. Father, I pray that we would have such an understanding and such a passion to start pushing into relationship with you that we would watch our character change before our eyes as we catch the heart of the Father, as we understand why that person might not be a best friend, as we understand why these rules that God had given him, had given Samson, were not just rules to follow, but were paths to life, were obedience to God out of a heart that knows God intimately. And Jesus, right now, I pray for every person in this room that does not know Jesus, would you bring revelation to them of your Father?
of you right now, Jesus. Father, any religious experience that they've had that doesn't contain the real you, Jesus, Lord, we speak against in the name of Jesus. Lord, we're speaking revealing of the heart of the Father. Lord, this is not a pie in the sky. You are not an imaginary figure that that reprimands us sometimes. You are a living Father that is with us daily. Through every trial, through every tribulation, through every pain, through every celebration, Jesus, you are with us, loving, encouraging, comforting, challenging, admonishing, and pushing us forward into the destiny that you created for us. Father, awaken our eyes to see who you are. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Bless you guys heaps.